Welcome to Straight Talk with Wine Spectator, a podcast from the world's most widely read wine magazine. I'm your host, James Molesworth, Wine Spectator Senior Editor and Special Projects Director, and you're listening to a special preview edition of Straight Talk Episode 4. You can hear the full, uninterrupted episode for free at winespectator.com slash podcast. And in this episode of Straight Talk, we're highlighting our December 31, 2022 issue. And drumroll, please. Wine Spectator's Top 100 Wines of the Year. Our Top 100 issue is one of our biggest of the year, celebrating outstanding wines from around the world. As always, joining me for our year-end ride is our trusty podcast director, Rob Taylor. Welcome back, Rob. Always a pleasure to be here, James. Thank you. And we've got a special guest star today. I told you we were bringing him in on our last episode. Longtime Wine Spectator Senior Editor Bruce Sanderson. Bruce! He's been overseeing our annual Top 100 list for uh, about as long as I can remember, I guess. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. Bruce, let's paint the picture for our listeners about how this list gets made. We, we tasted about 9,000 wines this year, and anything that scores 90 up is the first cut for the list. But that only cuts down the number of wines that we tasted this year at about 5,000. So where do you go from there since you're the lead guy on this? We look at a number of factors. Obviously, quality based on score, but also value based on price and availability based on either cases made or cases imported into the United States. But most importantly, the passion and dedication of vintners and the backstory of the wines, what we call X Factor. And all the editors sort of pitch their individual choices for the top 100. They give it all to you, and you, you have a lot to boil down. It's really one of the most internally discussed topics amongst the, the Wine Spectator editors. And in the end, the top 100 is sort of like our, our yearbook slash shopping list, right? Yeah, exactly. For example, one of the wines I like this year is the 2019 Calera Pinot Noir from Jensen Vineyard. Calera founder and California Pinot Noir pioneer Josh Jensen passed away earlier this year. He fell in love with Burgundy, and the story goes that he went around Northern California with acid and an eyedropper looking for limestone to plant Pinot Noir. I, I assume when you say acid, that's hydrochloric acid looking for limestone, not the lysergic acid, <laughs> yes, which would be looking for the mystery of life or something. That yeah. would be correct. <laughs> Josh was a, a character and a pioneer for sure. And it's interesting, current Calera winemaker Mike Waller worked with him uh, before Jensen sold the winery to the Duckhorn portfolio, and Waller's done a great job of not only following Jensen's idea, but you know, moving the winery ahead on its own path, too. And it's, it's a great pick for the Top 100, that Calera. Now, before I let you two geek out on the full Top 100, let's quickly run through our Top 10 wines of the year. And you can find Wine Spectator's full Top 100 list, along with the scores, prices, tasting notes, and tons of articles and videos about those wines, all for free at top100.winespectator.com. All right, Rob, lay them on us. Let's do the, the Top 10 countdown. Wine Spectator's number 10 wine for 2022 is the 2014 Cristal Champagne. Some baller champagne. We actually discussed that in episode three of our Champagne Spectacular with the winemaker Jean-Baptiste Lacayon. At number nine, the 2018 Cabernet from Washington State's Kilsada Creek. Mm -hmm. Number eight is one of two Super Tuscans in the top ten. That's right. Uh, Fattoria Le Pupile Sefredi 2019 is a Cabernet-based blend from Tuscany's coastal Morema region. Owner Elisabetta Gepetti inherited Lu Pupili in 1985 when she was just 20 years old, and she's created a jewel in the vast Marema region. At 7 is the 2019 Beaucastel Chateauneuf de Pop. We'll be talking about France's Rhone Valley in our next episode. Mm -hmm. 
And at number six is the 2019 Robert Mondavi Cabernet, the yeah. estates bottling. Right. And folks, if you haven't already, you might want to go back and check out our episode two for the full story on the Mondavi legacy and why this particular new bottling from the winery is such a noteworthy return to form. At number five is another Super Tuscan, Antonori's 2019 Tignanello. Yeah, Tignanello was a game changer for Tuscany and for Italian wines in general when it debuted in the 1970s. Yet it has continued to be one of the great Tuscan wines year in and year out, thanks to the quality of the Tignanello vineyard that the Antonori family purchased in 1850. Number four is a Bordeaux, the 2019 Talbot. Yeah, from the Saint-Julien Appalachian. You know, you don't need to chase first-growth Bordeaux, folks. At 65 bucks and 95 points, you can't beat Talbot for a seller-worthy Bordeaux bottling at a square price. And I'm going to have a lot more hot tips on the 2020 vintage in Bordeaux in our March issue and uh, the episode that we have in conjunction with that. Definitely looking forward to that. And now we're down to the top three wines of 2022. Number three is a Napa Chardonnay, the 2019 HDV Hyde Vineyard. Mm-hmm. Number two is a more traditional Italian red. Help me out again, Bruce. Absolutely. Fattoria di Barbie Brunello di Montalcino Reserva 2016. Barbie's been on a roll over the last decade, and all the stars aligned in 2016. And James, would you care to do the honors for our wine of the year? Why not? It earned 94 points and cost just around 80 bucks a bottle. It's another great value for its class, and that's California Cabernet Wine Spectator's 2022 Wine of the Year is the 2019 Schrader Cellars Double Diamond Cabernet Sauvignon, made by one of Napa's biggest winemaking stars, Thomas Rivers Brown. This is the first time one of his Schrader wines has appeared in our annual Top 10, and it's not one of the high-priced, top-of-the-line bottlings. It's his Economy Line second wine, which is much easier to find, or at least it was prior to the announcement, and that's the reason it was selected, because it's a terrific value in a category that basically starts at 100 bucks and goes up quickly. And we caught up with TRB, as uh, Thomas Brown is known to his friends, and he told us how he found out he'd made our wine of the year. I was on the phone with someone, and I could hear a text being beep, whatever. So did what everyone does, ignored the phone conversation to look down at my text. Um, and it said, congrats, wine of the year. And it so was off my radar. It didn't even register what they were talking about. So I just look at it, and I'm like, oh, great. And I start talking again with whoever's on the phone. And I'm also trying to process at the same time what this text means. And then finally it clicks. I'm like, oh, Wine Spectator Wine of the Year. I cannot for the life of me guess what wine it would have been. And then I look back at my phone. It's Jason Smith, who's the GM for Schrader and Double Diamond. I'm like, this is quite obviously the 19 Double Diamond. And I hustle off the phone because my phone starts to blow up at this point. People are calling, texting, emailing. I'm trying to get back to people as quick as I can. People are like, oh, you know, congratulations. One guy, I think he was being sarcastic, said, you know, so nice. You finally caught a break in the wine world, all this other kind of stuff. So I'm just receiving all this communication like second by second. And it was all super positive. So great for the brand. Um, of course, I own my own little brand and some other stuff. So you think about the financial ramifications of this too, which is maybe an impolite thing to talk about. But I'm talking to the GM at um, Double Diamond, and he's just like, yeah, the online store is going crazy. They had to shutter it like a couple hours later because I think they ran out of wine. And it just goes to show you the impact of the Wine Spectator and the number of eyeballs, not just on the website, but now that the print edition's coming out, I'm still getting notes from people. So the impact is crazy. I think there's a thousand new mailing list signups. There's all kinds of chaos sort of around it. But but an incredible positive impact, nothing but positive impact. 
And just great to see. I mean, it's something I didn't think would ever happen for me because most of the wines I make are really small production. They can be a little more expensive, harder to get. And then you see a, a wine like Double Diamond with that combination of quantity, quality, and price. And the story with Tokalon and all that other kind of stuff, I think it was just the perfect confluence of several different characteristics that sort of helped propel that wine to number one. Wine Spectator's Top 10 and Wine of the Year honors can really change the lives of the people behind these bottles, and they can also move the market if you're into buying and selling wine. In the rest of Episode 4, we delve into the growing field of wine investments with Senior Editor for News, Mitch Frank. And our advice expert, Dr. Vinny, explains what a second wine is. You'll find all that and more exclusively and for free at winespectator.com slash podcast. We hope to see you there. But until then, I'm James Molesworth, reminding you to always share when you drink the good stuff. <laughs>